0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, Cheva, welcome to uh, Rabbi Kivalevich's Thursday afternoon IDT Sheer. Uh This is Dovi Weiss, and I appreciate you joining. We're going to be talking about the Yoni Haggadah. And um, a number of years ago, some of the Hever from IDT actually asked me to give a Haggadah this year. Uh, it could have been about 10 years ago, or so. So I remember asking, um, one of the guys who was setting it up, um, what, what, I asked him, what, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to talk about? What particular areas? He said, well, just say, if you can, some divrei Torah that are sayable. And I like that language, sayable. So There's maybe five or 10 minute ideas that we could actually say over at the ha- at the seder, and that people can appreciate and enjoy some thoughts that um, that we might not have heard before, but something that uh, that that we can share with uh, with a, a larger audience. So, so let's begin as follows. In the Haggadah, there is a song that we sing. It's called the Dayenu song. We're all familiar with it. We know the song. We're not going to sing it together now, but uh, you know, Day Dayenu. Right, so one of the Dayenu's, almost every dayenu that's mentioned. The mafarshim want to know the deeper message of that dayenu. For example, one of the Dayenu's is if we would have been, if we would have come or Hashem would have brought us to our Sinai and He wanted to have given us the Torah, so uh, dayenu. We also would be thankful. That would be enough. So they all ask, what what would be the purpose of coming to our Sinai if we would not have received the Torah? We're just to go to a mountain? Not receive? How how would have that been worth anything what so there's a, there's a dayu that I want to talk about now and that's the one that says as follows below heavy Hashem had split the yam split the yamsuf and not brought us through on the dry land dayenu that would have been enough so there are many questions one can ask on this particular phrase in the dayenu I want to ask the following question it's not my question the shame Shmuel. It was a sefer that was written by the grandson of the Kotzke Rebbe. Rav Mendel of Kotzk had a son-in-law. His name was Avraham. He was known as the Avdei of Avram Bornstein, one of the great Sadiqim, Admarim, and Tamidich Achamim of that great generation. So Rav, Ad, Rav Avram Bornstein, the Avdei had a son, Shmuel. And Shmuel was also a great um, a great Tamad Chacham, and he wrote uh, Svarim on Chomish, Called Mishmuel, and we have a haggadah shalpesa from the Shem Mishmuel, and he asks the following question: If you look in the Yehumish in Parshas Bshalach, where we are told the story of Kriyas Yamsuf, we'll find it interesting that the term Kriyas Yamsef is not used at all. He never used the term Kriya. It never says that Hashem will be Rea the Yam. What it does say is that Hashem says to Moshe, Nites Yothalayam, you should take your stick put, and, and put your hand. Stretch your hand over the Yam, and you shall split the Yam. Or it says, that uh, the, the water was split. But the language that's used in the Torah to describe the splitting is not one of Kriya, but it's one of Bikiya. So the question, of course, is, why would Chazal change the language? If the Torah uses the language of bikiyas Yamsuf, so then why would Chazal then call it Kriya it, it, it They both apparently mean split. So let's use the Torah's language and not make up our own term. That's the question that the Shemi Shmuel asks in his Haggadah Shel Pesach. Why use Kriya if you can use the, the, the term the Kia that the Torah itself uses? So the Shemi Shmuel says as follows. The Shemi Shmuel says... That although bikia and Kriya both mean to split, they're actually fundamentally different. I would call them almost opposites. When a, uh, a chick is moving around inside the egg, and eventually it moves around so much, it grows so big that the egg splits, that's called bikia but When something splits from the inside out, it's called bikia Chazal use a language that when the person has a flask that's filled with water, so sometimes the water will have some type of reaction and it'll cause the flask to split from the inside out. When there's a split from the inside out, what some would call, one of our talmidim in the yeshiva use the term implosion. When there's an implosion inside out, that's called bakiya. However, when something is torn from the outside in, that's called kriya. The inside out is called bakiya. Outside in is called kriya. So the Shemesh quotes psukim that talk about a bear, a bear would come and tear its prey, open up its prey, open up the heart of its prey. So that language that's used in those psukim is kriya. That when the bear opens up and tears open, that's a lashot of kriya. So we've learned that bakiya is a language that's used when something splits from the inside out. Kriya is a language that's used when something splits from the outside in. But then the question is, then why would the Torah use the language of Bikiyah inside out? And why would the Chazal use the language of Kriya outside in? The the Torah is using the language of an implosion. And the Chazal are using the language of an explosion. What's the difference? Why should there be, was it an implosion or an explosion? I remember a number of years ago, my kids are now, our kids now are, are older. We don't play hide and seek anymore. But there wasn't time when our family, that was, that was a popular game. We play hide and seek. So there were times that I would have such a good hiding space that my kids wouldn't find me. So I'm sitting there in my shower with the, with the curtain closed in my clothing, waiting for my kids to come into my to the bathroom and open up the shower. They never did. So it's, you know it gets uncomfortable at some point. How long can you be in a shower clothed? sitting there waiting for your kids to find you. So at some point, you jump out of the shower, you say, I was here, right? I was here. <clears throat> if they would have found me in the shower, so then they would say, I found you. But if they didn't find me, so then I come out of my hiding space and show them my face, show them where I am. So the Seamus Schmoll doesn't give that example. That's my Marshall. I don't know if he played hide and seek with his kids in the 1920s, I'm not sure. But the idea is the same. You see, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he did Kriya Siyam tsev, he came out of his hiding space. Generally speaking, Hashem is in a state of Hester. Nowadays, I don't know what you'd call it with this terrible Machla and the mageifa, it's both a Hester upon him, but at the same time, Hashem is hiding, he's also showing himself. It's almost like all together. But by the Kriya Siyam tsev, when Hashem revealed himself in that special, amazing way, it was Hashem came out of his hiding space. He jumped out of the and he said to his children, here I am. That's called Bakiya. Because when you come from the inside out, K'Rish Baruch is the inside of the world. He's the core of the world. So when he reveals himself from the inside out, that's called B'kia. However, <clears throat> when we are looking, our job is to look for Hashem, to find him in his place, in his hiding place. So our job is to look for him. That's called kriyas Yamsu. When Hashem reveals himself and he shows his Nisim, his, glu, his, his Nisim, glu, his revealed miracles, and he reveals himself in that way, like by Kriya Siyamsev, then it's called Bikiya Siyamsev. So from the Torah's perspective, it's called Bikiya. But from our perspective, it's called Kriya. And that's how the, the Shem Shmuel explains the difference between why the Torah uses the language of Bikiya and we use the language of Kriya. It's not different than what the Shemish Shmuel says elsewhere in Parsha Shruma. You can take a look in Parsha Shruma. On the pasuk we are Suli Migdash, Vashachanti The Shemish Shmuel says, you know, the Gemara says in Ereven on Daf that Mishkan Ikri Migdash, U um, Migdash Ikri Mishkan. Mishkan is called Migdash, and Migdash is called Mishkan. Now, there are Svarim written that describe, that are um, specifically meant to, tell us, teach us the difference between what we call Shemos Dauphin, which in our language would be called synonyms. We know that in Russian Kodesh, there is no such thing as a synonym. I mean, two things certainly can be related, but they're not going to be exactly the same. And if they weren't exactly the same, then we wouldn't have two separate words to describe the exact same phenomena. And therefore, if we have two different terms, we know that they actually mean different things. So it's interesting. The Gemara says in Erevan, sometimes the Mishkan is called the Migdash and sometimes the Migdash is called the Mishkan. Pasik says, Vyasuli Migdash. That's a Pasek in Parashash Shruma. Now in Parshish Shruma, Chaza, I mean, the Rebarash is giving us a command to build a Mishkan, not a Migdash. The base of Migdash is going to be built thousands of years, a thousand years later. So why would the Torah use the term Vyasuli Migdash if referring to the Mishkan? So the er, Airman says, no, it's the same thing. Mishkan ikri mikdash. Umikdash ikri mishkan. But still, we're left with a question. If it's the same thing, then why doesn't it have the same term? So the Sheh Mishmul says, no, they're definitely not exactly the same, but they do represent the same yesod. You see, the Mishkan was our house that moved with us in the desert. It moved with us. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu came down and dwelled in our home. Rav Salavechik, Rav Shachter, Hagon Rav Shachter, my Rabbi, Rav Shachter says, brought down in his Sefer, in the name of his, our Rebbe Rav Soloveitchik, explains that this is the same difference between a base Knesses and the base HaMikdosh. The base Knesset is our home that Hashem comes down and rests there. He rests His Shechina in our home. The Mishkan is when Kadosh Baruch comes down and travels with the Jewish people. However, the Migdosh is HaKadosh Baruch's home. It's the base HaShem. Kibesi, Kibesi It's a Kaddish Baruch Hu's house that we go and visit. That we go and see a Kaddish Baruch Hu there. It's the same idea that we mentioned before between Bekiah and Kriya. The the Lushan of the Shem Yishmuel is that the Mishkan is bebechinas lamala lamata. Malamata. When a Kaddish Baruch Hu comes down and reveals himself to us, he rests his Shechina upon us in our home. That's called a mishkan. That's called the mishkan. Hashem is that I rest among you. Hashem comes down to us. However, mitzvah represents when we make ourselves holy to go up to the Rebaroshon. That's called matamala. a lot of the Sifre Hasidus talk about this in many different areas. There's always this, this relationship between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Matamala is us making a move towards him, and Malamata is, Akadosh Baruch Hu making a move towards us, and that's again, the explanation of why, although the Torah uses, the Lashen of Bikia, we use the Lashen Kriya, Bikia is the Bechina, of Akadosh Baruch Hu coming down, that's Malamata, it's the Shekina coming down, and Kriya, is us moving up towards Hashem, that's the language, that the Svarim use of, Mata Malam, that's the first thought, that I wanted to mention, there is another very, Beautiful idea that's brought down in this in the Hagadah in the name, in, a, in the different Haggadahs in the name of the Chassam Sofer. The whole world asks the question. I remember when I was in BMT in yeshiva over thirty years ago. So the of the Rebbe came to speak to us, and he asked. He told us the following among the many things that he told us. One of the things that I remember very clearly is he started to say the Maharsha in many places he uses the language makshin ha'olam, makshin ha'olam. The world asks. So the Boston Rebbe was saying, which world is he talking? He goes outside in the street. And he doesn't see anybody asking the question that the marshal is asking. What is the marshal talking? And the Boston Rebbe started to say in his <clears throat> inimitable way that the makshin Olam is the olam Torah. And that's the olam that's that we have to try to connect ourselves to. Makshin ha'olam. So makshin Olam, the whole world, the Torah world, asks the following question. And that question is, there's a mitzvah of Sipur Mitzrayim. It says very clearly in the Torah more, right? You have to tell the, the children about the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and tell them the story. It's a mitzvah daraisa. All the Moneha mitzvahs count this as a mitzvah daraisa to tell our children about the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. The question is usually, generally speaking, by mitzvahs, there is a bracha that we say before the mitzvah. It's called a Berchasa mitzvah. So the Mefarshim asks, we don't find that in the Haggadah we make a bracha before we begin Holach ma'anya, or before we begin Manishtana, or before we begin Hayinu. We do not say. Everybody wants to know. The whole world wants to know. Why not? Why is there no bracha before this special mitzvah? So it's brought down in the Haggadah of the Nesivos. Rabbi Yaakov, Lord is Amazon, of the Nesivos HaMishpat. So he has an important Haggadah that uh, everybody uses. And that Haggadah explains as follows. The truth is, there is a bracha on the Mitzvah of sepur. The second bracha, before we make the second, before we drink the second kos, we say the bracha of Asher Ga'olanu. Asher Ga'olanu, V'galos HaVoseinu. K'Rish Baruch Hu redeemed us, he took us out. Hashem That serves as the Berchas Mitzvah. So that's what the Nesivas, thats what Rabbi Yaakov explains in the Ma'is the name of Nesivos Hagodas Ma'is and That's what the Rabbi Yaakov explains of of of. He, that's how he explains why we don't make a bracha. We do make a bracha. It's incorrect. We do make a bracha. Where's the bracha? The bracha instead of being before sipur, is after sipur. But then the question remains. Maybe the question is even stronger. If you're making a bracha, so then if there's a reason you're not making a bracha, okay, don't make the bracha. But if you're making the bracha, so make the bracha like every other mitzvah, make the bracha before Sippor Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Why are you waiting till later to make the bracha? Why make the bracha after you've already accomplished almost the entire mitzvah or most of the mitzvah? Right? The mitzvah of Sippor happens before the meal. Right? The whole, that's when the mitzvah Haggadah. or Orchatz, Kapratz, Yachatz, magid. Magid is the mitzvah of Sepur. and then we go to Rachza. Then we wash. So we, the, the bracha that the Nasivas is referring to was said right before Rachza, right before the second coast. Why wait till after? We should make the bracha before. So it's brought down in the Chasam from the Chasam Sofer <clears throat> as follows: There is a halacha: chay of Adam Liros Es atzmo, Ki Ilu Hu Yatsa Person is obligated on this night to see themselves as having left Egypt. There is a mitzvah to mention Mitzrayim, to talk about, or at least to mention Zechira Sisyas Mitzrayim every single day and every single night of the year. Every night we talk about Mitzrayim. In the Shema we mention Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim certainly plays a crucial role in our entire uh, service. Our entire Siddur, our entire service and so many mitzvahs that we do. But Dafka on the night of the Seder there's a special halacha Chayiv Adam Lirosis Atzma Kidu yats Mitzrayim it's not just telling over of the story. It's experiencing it's there, Ryan, at like we are there. We are there. Now, the the, the Balei uh, Mahshava of our generation, and perhaps before as well, often say and explain that what this means is that even more important than imagining that we're actually leaving Egypt 3,000 or 2,500 years ago is to recognize that each one of us has our own Mitzarim our own limitations, has our own issues, challenges. We have to imagine tonight that we can overcome those issues. <clears throat> but the Posh Pshat, which is also correct, is that we have to imagine ourselves as having left Egypt. So the chesam Sofer says as follows, it's not enough to imagine you be, us being in Egypt and then leaving the country of Egypt. We actually have to experience the entire Haggadah. And we know that the Haggadah begins with of that that even before we were in Mitzrayim, even before Yaakov Avinu and the Shvatim, even before Yitzchak and Avraham, we come from Ov De'avodah It's amazing that we even mentioned that. Ma'atchil Be'gnos, Rav and Shmuel, Rav says we have to go all the way back to Metchila Ov How you Abu Seinu? We have to imagine ourselves as being Ov De'avodah It's amazing. It's not enough to imagine oneself leaving Egypt. It's imagine a person not being part of the Jewish religion. Imagine a person, and what would a person look like if he wasn't a, 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 a Jew? And then through the night of the Seder, he goes through a conversion process. He that's what's happening. It's not that you're just leaving Egypt. We're becoming converted to become a Jew on the night of the Seder. You know, there's a big question. Who is the Ove of we're talking about? We like to say that it's Tarach. Tarach was an Ove the We know the stories. We find that we're little children. But the truth is, the Rambam writes, if the Rambam didn't say, that, say this, we wouldn't like to say this Bechla, but the Rambam writes, that Avram Avinu was originally of the Avodah Zahara, he was an Avodah Zahra, of the Avodah Zahara, means we come from Avram, who originally founded the Shalon. but before that, before he started breaking the, the, uh, the idols in his father's shop, as we know from the Midrashim, he was an Avodah Zahra. And we look and imagine and reconnect to the process of what it is to become Jewish to go through the process. There is a Gavar M'sachim on Davzayin Beis that says as follows, alein, over LaSiyos and all Mitzvahs, you have to make a Birch HaMitzvah before the Mitzvah, before you do the Mitzvah, over la-siyos. However, there's one exception to the rule. What's the one exception to the rule? And according to the Rambam, it's literally only one exception. You know, there's one exception to the rule. What's the one exception? The one exception is Chutz min except for tvila. and the Rambam writes what we're talking about there, and the Gemara seems to say this Farish as well. is not just when one goes to the mikveh. We're talking about a Tefilas Hager, Tvilas Hager, when someone becomes Jewish. So he has a, if it's a man, he has a Bris If it's a woman and a man, they have to go to mikveh. They have to go to be mikveh. That's part of the process of becoming Jewish. The last step of becoming Jewish, you go to the mikveh. So the Gemara says, the only person who makes a bracha after a mitzvah is the ger. Because the ger is not shyach to make a bracha before him. Why is it not shy to make a bracha before him? Because he's not Jewish. So before you're Jewish, you're not going to make a bracha. Asher Kedushan, Mitzvotsov etzivanova. because Baruch commanded us. What commanded us? You're not commanded to become Jewish. Not commanded. It's up to me. It was my personal choice. Asher Kedushan, and I'm not I'm not a-Metzuvah at that point. I'm chayvin seven mitzvahs B'nai Noach. I'm not chayvin Hashem 613 mitzvahs. I say 613 and not 606 because it's a big machlokas whether we say that the seven mitzvahs Ben Noach are also applied to Jews and then we add 606 of additional mitzvahs or do we say there are seven mitzvahs to Ben Noach and those seven mitzvahs are re-given or given again at Matan Torah and it's not the same seven mitzvahs. They look very much the same, but it's not the same at all. So instead of saying there are seven and 606, it might be more accurate, according to at least the Rambam, to say seven and 613. So we have it, So when a person converts, then he can say vitzivanu, And that's the answer of why we don't make the bracha till after Sipra and Sias Because up until the point of Sipra Sia, until we see ourselves as having left Egypt, we're, we're still not, we haven't converted yet. We haven't become Hashem's nation yet. So you can't make a bracha beforehand. We're not you're not Jewish. You can't make a bracha, you're not Jewish. So then you can't make a bracha. So it's only after. So the reason why is an amazing thing. The reason why we make a bracha after Sipar Yitzya Mitzrayim is because we're we're all gayrim on that night. We're all converts on that night. It's just like the convert can't make a bracha till after he does the Tvilah, so too we can't make a bracha till we convert and recognize that we went through this process of being all of the Avodah Zorah and eventually coming to the truth and coming to becoming the nation of Hashem and converting and becoming His people, only then can we make the bracha, and that's why we make the bracha after the mitzvah of Sefer it's yes, Okay, along the same, or along the same line of thought, <clears throat> <clears throat> there is a Gemara in Psachim. Well, let's start with the following. Let's start with the following. There is a halacha that if someone wants to drink seven kosos on Pesach night or ten kosos on Pesach night, not necessarily recommended, but if someone were interested in in drinking seven kosos, eight kosos, ten kosos on Pesach night, that is allowed. One is allowed to drink extra kosos. Between the first and the second, between the second and the third kos, during the meal, a person wants to have more wine, no problem. There is a halacha that's brought down in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Araf says that there is one moment, there is a moment in the Seder where one's not allowed to drink more wine. You can't have an extra kos, and that's between the third and the fourth kos. Between the third kos and the fourth kos, one is not allowed to drink an extra cup of wine. And the question is, why? So the Mafar should give a very um, simple I guess we can say a simple answer, that Rishalmi brings down, that between the third and the fourth cause, so you're no longer eating, right? You've already benched. So at that point, if you start drinking more, you're going to get uh, tipsy. You're not going to be able to finish up the seder. But there's a, a safer uh, Haggadah written or of, of, uh, Haggadah compiled of the Torahs of Rav Shlomo Shvadron, the Maggid of Yerushalayim. I remember once saying the following idea over and a friend of mine told me that in addition to Rav Shalom saying this part, it's also brought down in the Maharal. Rav Shalom says it in his own particular style, but the same idea is brought down in the Maharal. And the idea is as follows. Rav explains, they explain that when we went, when we went into Mitzrayim, so HaKadosh Baruch who tells Avram, I think at that time he was Avram, not Avram, but Hashem tells Avram, That uh, You should know. That your children will be foreigners in a land that's not theirs. And they will be slaves there. And they will be tortured there. So there's a process and that's how it happened. First we went down to Mitzrayim and then we became slaves. And then they started to torture us. And then they started to beat us. And then they started to throw the babies into the river. So there was a process. A three-step process: Kiger Yezaracha, that's step one. Kiger Yezaracha, The second stage is we were slaves, and we were, and we were, um, and we were tortured. So the maral says when we left, we had to leave and unwind. The problems that we had going down, we have to go backwards, and he explains that, and Rav Shalom explains that each one of the kosos represent an unwinding or an undoing of our slavery and experience in Egypt. So, you know, the Dalut kosos are connected the four lashonos of Geula that we know: v'hodseisi, v'hitzalti, v'gaalti, So he explains Is unwinding the torture. They stopped, The first thing that happened is they stopped throwing the babies in the river. They stopped torturing us. They stopped beating us. There was no longer avodas parach, but we were still slaves. That's what it says. Vehitzalti means even the slavery stopped. We were no longer slaves, but we were still in a land that wasn't ours. We were still foreigners in a land that wasn't ours, but we were no longer slaves. Then it says vegaalti. So vegaalti means that we, not, not only were we not tortured. Not only were we not slaves, but we left. We left the land. We were no longer foreigners in a land. That wasn't ours. So there was no longer, the whole Pesach, Yodoha Teida, Ki Ger Yezaracha, Beres Olam, Babadum, osam was all taken care of by the time we finished the third coast. So the question is, what else is there to do after the third coast? We are already out of Egypt. Why is there a fourth coast? What's the fourth coast for? So the fourth coast is Vala V'lakachti means, I took you as a nation. So the Svarim explain that the refers to us going from Mitzrayim to Harsinai to receive the Torah. That's Kabbalah Sator, Matan Torah. And the idea is as follows. This is how Rav explains. There cannot be any hefseg. There can't be any break between the third coast and the fourth coast. Because the third coast means that we left Egypt. A person can think that the moment you're no longer being hit and you're no longer in a land that's not yours, you're no longer a slave, so then you're free. You can't drink between the third coast and the fourth coast because that would imply that there's such a thing called freedom outside the world of Torah. See, so we understand, ben <speaking in Hebrew> so between the third coast and the fourth coast, it's almost like one it's like one extended part of the Geula. Between the gaalti and the between us leaving Egypt and receiving the Torah, you have to make sure not to get drunk then. The Rav Sholem explains, you can get drunk. What does it mean to get drunk then? You can get drunk with the thought that we're free. We're free. We're free. We can do whatever we want. So Rav Sholem says that's a state of drunkenness. To think that you're free without a life of Torah is not freedom. To be free means to be the servant of he, with a capital H, who is not subservient to anyone. That's the Rebbe Shalom. When a person's a servant of Hashem, that's true freedom. Because then he's serving he, who is the creator of the world, who has no limitations. That's what freedom is. So that's how Rav Shalom explains. You can't have a hefseg between the third and the fourth coast. And by the way, this is very interesting as well. Because there's a a thought, if you think about any Kenyan that's made, any transaction that's made between two people, so there's always two parts to a transaction. Imagine I'm selling you uh, a Safer, I'm selling you a book. So there's two parts of that transaction. First thing that has to happen is the book leaves my rishus. The second part of the transaction is that it goes into your rishus. The language that's used by the 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 lamdashosvarim is that there's a hotzaa mershus halokeach and a hachnasah ha ha'moker. I apologize. One second. There's a hotzaa mershus ha'moker. That's it. The item leaves the reshus of the moker, but there's also a hachnasah lereshus halokeach hakone. The item has to leave the previous reshus. And then enter the new Rishus. And that's what has to happen. The Gaalti is leaving Mitzrayim. That's the Hotza, the etzia. But there can't be a Hotza without a Hachnasa. So we leave Mitzrayim, but then we have to enter in to the Kenyan, to the Rishus of the Rebarosh That's what happens in the Torah. We have to make sure not to drink. We have to make sure not to drink between the Gaalti and the Lokachti. Along the same lines, there's a Gemara in Brachas that says, when a person goes into shul, he has to walk in through two doors. Two doors. He can't walk through one door. Gemara says, what does that mean? Two doors? Take a look. for Those doing daf, probably about two months ago, I said, dafches ha adam le'beis beis psachim. You have to go through two doors. The Gemara says, you really have to have two doors? He goes, no, you have to go through about daladamos, Amos, which means that when you come into shul, you shouldn't stand, you know, one foot in the shul and one foot in the hallway. You have to come into shul, come into shul, so it doesn't look like you're, you know, you're, you're ready. But uh, by the time you come in, you're already leaving. But the question is, why does the Gemara use the term Bez Psachim? What is Beis Psachim? What is that supposed to represent, Base Psachim? Just say, when you come into Shul, you should come into the, you know, walk in a few steps. Why does it use the term Beis Psachim? So the Maharal explains very beautifully along the same lines that we've been describing that when a person comes into Shul, there's two things that have to happen. The first thing that has to happen before we daven is we have to leave the mind space. We have to leave the place where we were. If we're working and then we come to daven, we have to leave work. You can't bring your work into shul. If we're on the phone, we can't bring what we're looking at on the phone into shul. So the first thing that has to happen is we have to leave the outside world before we come into shul. But that's not enough. That's only one door. Going through the second door means that I don't just have to leave the outside world, but I have to enter into Hashem's world. It is possible for a person to leave the outside world and still not be in Hashem's world. If a person hasn't left the outside world, then he hasn't gotten to first base. But you have to first have a hotzah, me called ha'kodim. You have to leave the previous rishus and then enter into the new rishus. And that's what happens also between ga'alti and lakachti. We leave our previous rishus. we leave Mitzrayim, not enough. You have to now go to Matan Torah, you have to enter to the rishus of the Rebarosh Lolam. That's the yetziyas Mitzrayim and the hachnosah, Along, <clears throat> once we're talking about that line, a third idea that we can share something very, very um, amazing is that it says in the Haggadah, as we just mentioned, Adam, Lirosis A person has to imagine themselves or see themselves as having left Egypt. Right? Everybody with me? We're good? Yeah, good. What does it mean as atzmo? I asked my Talmud, what does the word atzmo mean? So what would you say? The word atzmo means you have to see yourself as living. You have to see yourself. That's what it means. A person is obligated to see oneself as living Egypt. I saw in one of the Haggadahs, I'll tell you where I saw it in a second, in a sefer called the Minchas Yisrael on Moadim, I saw a, a thought a few years ago that I'd never seen before. Unbelievable. I'll share this with everyone because it's such a beautiful vart, from the Minchas Yisrael, he writes as follows, the Gemara in Gittin, the Gemara in Gittin, in the Parsha of the Churban Bayas. so the Gemara tells of a story, that not just a story, the Gemara tells us the history that when Titus HaRosha, that was the Roman general, came into the Beis Hamigdash, so he did some terrible, horrific things, he brought a Zoyna into the base Hamigdash, the the fnim. I'm not jealous of I'm not jealous of uh, his gehenim. I'm not jealous of his guy. I'm not jealous of his neither. I don't think there is a Gan Eden. Imagine such a Russia. And he says the Gemara says he took a sword and he put the sword right into the Parochas, which is the curtain that separates between the Kodesh Hakadoshim and the Heichal. And what happened was is that the Parochas started to bleed. Parochas started to bleed. A miracle happened, Baroka started to bleed. And the Gemara says that Titus, in his Rishus, thought that he had killed the one above. Kisovar, and the language that's used is Kisovar Horag Es Atzmo. Listen to that language. When the Gemara describes that this Roshah thought that he had killed Hashem, the language that's used is "ksavar horag es atzmo. So the Minchas Yisrael explains that very often, it's not the only time Hakadosh Baruch is described as "atzmo." As "atzmo." Why would Hakadosh Baruch be described as "atzmo"? Chayv Adam Liros is "atzmo," As "atzmo," and the reason is because when a person talks of themselves, say "myself," "atzmi." What is what does it mean yourself? Balatanya explains. Really, his his entire sefer in, in, in many ways is rooted in this very point that every yid has a nefesh a nefesh a, nefesh, a, nefesh, a neshama mimal, a chelok alikam That the deepest part of each one of us is the part of Hashem that's in in each one of us. So it's not surprising that the word atzmo, which we use to refer to ourselves. Also refers to the bar shalom. Now, if that's true, listen to a way that we read two thoughts, two lines in the Haggadah. The Russia says Mazos. Mohavod Hazos Lochem. Mazos is the time. Mohavoda Hazos Lochem is the Russia. Mohavoda Hazos Lochem. And as we know, we get very upset at the Russia. Haket Shana very upset at the Russia. Why? Because the Hagada writes the Hoshi es min haklal, that's usually this explained translated to mean that he himself removes himself from the klal. His punishment at But the Minchas Yisrael writes that what it means on a on another level, perhaps even on a deeper level, and the Hoshi is. <laughs> <laughs> Holsiatmo minakl means that the Russia takes the Rabban Shalom out of the equation. Hotsias Atmo hazos Maha He doesn't talk about Akharajbaraku. It's the way of the Russia to see events in a person's life and not bring Hashem into the equation. Our job, I would if I could say, especially the times that we see ourselves in. It's not to forget that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is in this equation. He might be, he's the main factor in the equation that the world finds themselves in today. The Russia is hotzi si atzma menaklal. He takes Hakadosh Baruch Hu out of the equation. That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. The Chacham has Hashem in there. Hashem the Rosh is hotzi si atzma menaklal. And now we can add as follows. When it says, it doesn't just mean that a person's obligated to see themselves as having left Egypt, but a person has to know that when they are in a difficult matzav, when they're in a difficult situation, when whatever it is, is hurting them, challenging for them, bringing them down, certainly on a national level and on a communal level, and on a world, global level, and on a Klai level, a person has to realize that a Baruch Hu is there with him and with her in the difficulty. A person is obligated to see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was in Mitzrayim with the Jews, with him. Chayav Adam, listen to how to read the the, the language now. Chayav Adam, that when a person comes out of a matzav, of a difficulty, of a tzara, it's not enough to just... St- to thank Hashem, they have to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu as having come out of that Sara as well. Adam leros Es Atzmo Hu Mitzrayim." person has to know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, Kavayachal, also left Mitzrayim with the Jewish people. <clears throat> Along these lines, there's a fantastic Gemara that tells us there's an importance of a Makom Kavua. What's a Makom Kavua? Makom Kavua There's a place where you sit in the same seat every day in shul. Welcome, Kavua. Now, unlike what some people think, this does not mean that if you walk into shul and someone is sitting in your seat, that you should give him the big boot. That's not what it means. Even the most machmir of the Rishonim understand that if you're standing within six feet of your seat, that's considered your seat. And even if it's not considered your seat. But I'm not, Baruch cares much less about exactly where you sit in shul than the person you're about to embarrass when you tell them to leave your seat. So that's passionate and obvious. <clears throat> but why do we have a Makam Kavua? So, so you have a Makam Kavua. It's nice to sit in the same place so long as someone, a guest, is not sitting there. But what's the reason? So the Pashtus is that because when you're sitting in the same seat, So, you're comfortable there, you know where your things are, you know where your siddur is, you get, you get, you can almost enter into a certain state of meditation, of kavana, and connection with Hashem. That's the Parshad Pshat of why it's necessary to have a Malcolm Kavua. Now, excuse me, the language, the language of, the language of, Chazal is kol ha kovei am mokum Avraham be Ezra. anybody who's anybody who's kovei am mokum which is what we just said, the importance of having a makom kavua But there's a sefer called the Ksaf Sofer. The Ksaf Sofer was the was the son of the Chassam Sofer. Chassam Sofer. Even three four generations after the Chassam Sofer, people who were part of that family always wanted to use the name Sofer. Such a Chosheva name in the Jewish world. Matter of fact, there's a Sefer called the dor Revi. The dor Revi was written by a great-grandson of the Chassam Sofer. And he called the Sefer the dor Revi because to highlight that he was fourth generation of the Chassam Sofer. The Chassan Sofer is one of the sons in law of the Chassam Sofer, of Ehrenreich so the, the the son of the Chassam Sofer, that's a grandson of Rebbe Kiva You may know that the Chassam Sofer lost his wife; at a, she was young when she passed away at a young age. His second wife was the daughter of Rebbe Kiva So the, imagine the Chassam Sofer and Rebbe Kiva at the Seder together. That that would be something that you know we would like to be a part of. Imagine such a such a such a Seder. Imagine. So the son, the grandson writes, the Kesavsofer writes something that's unbelievable. He writes as follows: <clears throat> the word "makom," the same word, the same way, the word "atzmo" can mean a person himself, but it can also refer to the Rebbe Rosh What does the word "makom" mean? The word "makom" means place. But the truth is, we go into a shiva house and we say "hamakom what does the word "what does it mean"? Hamakom Yenachem Eschem. What does that mean? Why do we say "say Hashem Yenachem Eschem"? What's Hamakom Yenachem Eschem? So the answer is that the term "makom" also refers to the Rabbar Shalom. Hashem is the Makom Olam. We usually think that Hakadosh Baruch dwells in the place called the world. That's not correct. There's not a world, and Hashem dwells is is there. The, the world is in HaKadosh Baruch HaShem is the place in which Hash, in which the world exists. The world is not a place where HaShem visits. The world is in a place called HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch is the place in which the world exists. Ein HaOlam Mikamo. HaKadosh Baruch is the Mikamo Shel Olam. That's why we say, Baruch Kavor HaShem, Mim Kamo. Mim Kamo Kosher is the place in which the world exists. So we say makom <clears throat> The Ksav Sofer writes, "Hakoveh Makom LeTfilaso" means that every tfilah that a person says, whether they're asking for health, whether they're asking for parnasa, whether they're asking for a shidduch, if they're always davening for oneself, you're also davening for the Rebbeinu shalom that when we're in pain, Hashem's in pain. When we are suffering for whatever reason, all the different possible reasons from anxiety, from fear, from, 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 from health, from whatever, we're, whatever that is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there with us. The Gemara says, when a person has a headache, the Shekhinah says, my head hurts. <laughs> Kalani Miroshi. HaKadosh Baruch Hu also is with us imo onochi b'tzara. So when we daven, the Ksav Sobhi says we have to daven for ourselves, daven for the Jewish people. We have to turn to Hashem and say, Hashem, you're also suffering here. We're davening for you as well. That's what it means. Every tefillah also has to include that we're davening for the makom, for the Rebara Shalom. That's the idea. <clears throat> A person has to see Hakadosh baruchu, as being with him in Mitzrayim. And a person has to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu leaving Mitzrayim. Baruch Hu, and we have to see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is suffering with us. And we have to also see that when we daven, we're davening, we're kovei amak, we're davening for the makkah, we're davening for the Rebosh as well. I'm not sure what time it is. Let me just look at the time. I think our time is probably up. So maybe we'll end here and we can continue Mitzvah Hashem learning together in the future. I hope everyone has a wonderful Pesach. Surah's Tavos, and we pray for Klaizu, we pray for the whole world that we should have a Rafua Shleimah, head of Yemenu, and the Kaddish Baruch, send the Rafua for this virus, Meher Teshem, the Mamish. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Rabbi, for filling in. Anytime, anytime. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of New Work at IDT Podcast.